So that report says, okay, you own, you know, Apple, great stock, you know, it may or may not be right for you, but it's a great stock. So you own Apple, but you realize that 26 of those 33 funds also own Apple. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast, the Retirement Success Blueprint podcast. And uh, that's our new name. And so we're here with Michael Stewart, as we usually do. And we're going to talk investing, finance, and retirement. But what's going on, bud? How are you? Things are going well. Illinois is ending their stay in place later this month. So we're gradually starting to get the office back up and running and, you know, kind of business as usual. Yeah. So what we got a new name, right? Interesting. So we decided to make a change. You wanted to make a little switch up there, put a fresh coat of paint on it, so to speak. Yeah. You know, we typically, we'd call for the last couple of years, we've called it the retirement matters, you mm-hmm. know, which because retirement does matter. Sure. And then we just found a little bit of a disconnect with some of our clients. So our process for retirement planning, our trademark process is called retirement success blueprint. You know, so it provides a blueprint or a roadmap for individuals on the best way, you know, we'll talk about a little bit as we go on about preparing for retirement, making sure that you're going to be okay. So we wanted to kind of align the name of the podcast with what our trademark process was. Makes sense. Yeah more continuity. Yeah, makes sense. Well, that's our new name. So we hope you like it. Retirement Success Blueprint. And of course, as always, you can still go to Mike's website at crystallaketax.com. And there's a lot of good tools, tips and resources on the website in general. But there's also the podcast page. You can click on that. And you can check out past episodes. You can subscribe to it on whatever platform you choose. Uh, You can type in the new name and you'll find it. So the same content, same great content. All the past shows will still be available. It's just now called the Retirement Success Blueprint. And Actually, you know, you kind of touched on, you know, the opening up a little bit of the uh, state and, you know, we've spent so much time the last few weeks talking about coronavirus, this, that, and the other. We've had a lot of email questions that have just come in and just kind of backed up on us a little bit. So what do you say we just answer some mailbag questions today and see if we can get through some of these? I think that'd be perfect. Okay. Well, let's jump in and see what we got here. Uh, We've got several. I'm going to try to make my way through as many as I can. So Steve sent one in to, again, crystallaketax.com. And he said, Mike, an online calculator says I'm going to need $742,485 for retirement. How accurate do you think this calculator is? I just hope he has that last $85 because it's <laughs> that's, that's that specific. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I, Steve, what, what we do with clients is, you know, I can only talk about our practices. You know, what we go through and say, well, what's your plan say? You know, I mentioned kind of the introduction and with the podcast name change, Retirement Success Blueprint. And that's our trademark planning process where we really kind of cover five different areas. And this is going to be relevant for you to know if is 742,485 <laughs> going to be your actual number or should it be more? Should it be less? So in that retirement success blueprint, we cover five areas. One, retirement income. How much do you need? What sources? How much of it's going to be guaranteed, you know, from pensions, social securities, or coming from, you know, our fixed income? How much of it is going to come from personal savings, et cetera? Next, how much investment risk do we need to take in order to make that happen? Three, take a look at taxes now and in the future. Four, healthcare. Are you retiring before 65, after 65? Are you concerned about long-term care? You need to have a plan in place for that because that costs money too. And then estate planning. 
something were to befall you, do you have the right documents in place to make sure that those you care about are taken care of and you're taken care of if you're incapacitated? So Steve, going back to your original question is, seven. let me just round it off, $742,000 enough. That's when you put your plan together and you say, okay, how much income am I going to need in retirement? And then reverse engineer from that. What are the different sources? Well, Steve, if you say you need $80,000 and Social Security is going to give you 40 and you got 10 in a pension, then that means you've got $50,000 of pretty assured income that's going to come in. So now you have to fill a gap for another 30000 So if you're assuming that you're taking 3 4% off of a portfolio, well, how much of a portfolio would you need to generate thirty dollars or $40,000 of additional income? Well, somewhere probably between 700,000 to a million, depending on how much as a percentage you're taking out. You know, so the online calculators are a great start, Steve, because it kind of gives you, you know, kind of a way out there kind of goal what that number is. But what you need to do is be a little bit more granular, work with a fiduciary, whether it's us or somebody else, that's going to sit down with you and put that plan together for you. So you'll know if, you know, not only do you need the 742000 but you need that extra $485 too. That's right. The 485 could make a big difference. So uh, great question, Steve. Thanks so much. We certainly appreciate it. Keep listening to the show. Hopefully that helps. If you've got questions, reach out to Mike. Uh, you can go to the website, of course, and you can always give him a call as well. So we appreciate that as always. All right, let's see what Christina has for you. She says, I have almost 150000 sitting in my savings account, and I'm tired of getting virtually no interest on it but I'm also too scared to invest it right now. So should I just leave it alone? Yeah, and that's a great question. And there's a lot of individuals that have been good savers, you know, that have either money sitting in the bank or cash sitting on the sidelines, wondering with how volatile the market's been here in 2020, what they should do. And that answer is really going to come down to a couple different things for you, Christina. One is, should you leave it in the bank? Uh, really goes down to what's the purpose of the money. If this is money you say in the next 12 months you might need for down payment on a house, paying cash for a car, or a second home, or maybe you know there's it's committed to something else, or at least a portion of that is, that should, independent of the interest rate, should stay on the banking side because you want no risk to that. Because let's say you had $50,000 earmarked for a, an expense that's in six months. The last thing you want to do is invest that 50, and then when you go to get it in six months, it's worth 40, right? Mm-hmm. So anything that you need that's going to be spent the next 12 months, then by far independent of interest rate, you, know, you always still want to try to get the best rate, but keep it FDIC insured, keep it on the banking side. Now, anything that's left over, so let's say you needed to keep 50 aside. And in your case, Christina, you said it had 150. Now, what should I do with the other 100? That's when we say, okay, well, when's the next time that we might need some money? You know, barring an emergency, when's the next time we might need some money out of this? Is it maybe the next three to five years? Great. Let's look for investment options that fit that profile to earn more than the bank's going to pay without a whole lot of risk because you know you need that money in the next few years. And then whatever's left, that's when we kind of take a look at market conditions and say, okay, well, if I've got my emergency money saved, I'm covered for the next year. I've got another bucket of money over the next few years I could access that I'm getting a little bit better than the bank, but I'm not taking a lot of risk. And then on the back end, there's still X amount of dollars left. That's when we start looking for investment options. We start trying to take advantage of you know, the volatile markets and things that we're having right now. So Christina, the beginning part is take a look at that. Instead of just being frustrated with the bank's going to pay, you know, everything has trade-offs and pros and cons from a risk reward and return standpoint. What I would do is say, I would start assigning purpose to those dollars. What's within the next month? What's within the next three years? And what's greater than three years? 
because if you segue it that way, you're really not going to get hit or make the wrong decision because worst case, you're going to be half right rather than all wrong. And, you know, one thing we don't want to do right now is jump in both feet, taking way too much risk with any of this money, given what's going on in the, in the markets, in the economy. All right. Well, Christina, thank you so much for the question. Hopefully that helps you a little bit with some good insight there on some ideas to ponder. So thank you so much for submitting the question to the show. All right, let's keep moving along here. We've got Beverly with a question. She says, Michael, I counted up the mutual funds in my IRA, and it appears that I have 33 different funds. Is that adequate diversification? Adequate or diversification, I'm not sure, uh, either, either one of those. Yeah. So it, this isn't unusual. And this is whether somebody's working with, you know, one of the big name national brokerage firms or if they're do-it-yourselfers. A lot of times we see it when people have multiple accounts scattered everywhere, you know, so they really don't know what they own. Right. So we kind of try to corral all that. But the two problems that I see, and because you just say it's an, an IRA, so one IRA. So I can't even imagine the size of that statement <laughs> that you're getting with that. But so here's two problems, Beverly. And, and I think I'll even have an offer for you on the end for well, Beverly and anybody actually even listening here, because I think there's a great value in this. So the first problem that I see is sometimes you can be too diversified. That means that you own so many things that none of them are actually very important in your portfolio. So if one of them doubles, well, it represents one thirty-third of your entire portfolio. So is that really even going to move the needle? No, that helps a little bit on the downside, assuming that they're not correlated, you know, and I'll move in the same direction. But a lot of times you want to have what you call a core portfolio, and it's a certain amount of holdings, and it's a lot less than 33, you know, if you're in mutual funds. It's a core holdings and okay, these are my, you know, my S&P 500, these are my bonds, whatever it happens to be. And then you can have some smaller investments around it that we call satellites. And those satellites are, hey, I really think healthcare is going to be, you know, the best or technology is going to be the best, you know. So these aren't recommendations, just examples. So that if you want to kind of lean in to specific sectors or specific market areas or so, you can, but you do that in the satellites. You don't do that in your core, the majority of your portfolio, because you want a little bit more stability. So if you've got 33 different funds, chances are you don't even know what you own. You feel you're diversified because you've got 33 different funds. But that's where the second problem comes in. We run a report for something called the overlap report. And this is critical for most people, especially if you've got multiple accounts, multiple advisors, what have you, because you think you're diversified because you're spread out on all these different funds. But when we run what we call the overlap report, it's in many times it's a 30 page report. I usually just print off the first three or four for you and say, okay, you own all these different funds, but what do those funds own? So that report says, okay, you own, you know, Apple, great stock, you know, may or may not be right for you, but it's a great stock. So you own Apple, but do you realize that 26 of those 33 funds also own Apple? And then you go back and look at your second holding, you know, whatever stock it is. Right. Okay. Do you realize 18 of your funds own that stock? And, you know, so does it make it wrong? No, it just means that you own a lot of the same things. Even though you think you're diversified, you're really overly concentrated as far as what's inside those individual funds. And what happens is you go through a market like we've gone through first quarter of this year, where all of a sudden things fall off the table. Doesn't matter for what reason, but things fall off the table. And now you thought you were diversified, you know, spreading all your eggs in multiple baskets and everything's down. You're down 30%, 40%. You're like, wait, wait, I own all this stuff. What's holding it up? And then you realize that there was so much overlap that everything was going in the wrong direction or in the same direction, which would be the wrong direction in this case. You know, and what that means is that you weren't properly diversified. You thought you were diversified because of the amount of holdings you had, 
But when you dug deeper, you know, it's not proper diversification. You're actually concentrated. So what we do is we run a report for prospective clients and clients called the Riskalyze report. And what that does is we take your existing holdings, plug it in the software, and it gives you an expectation over any six to 12 month period. So in normal market conditions, on the downside and upside, here's what you should expect. And, you know, so it says, okay, if we're within this range, good markets or bad markets, we should, you know, understand that that's based on the amount of risk and the overlap and that that we have. That's what it makes sense. What it'll also show you, and this is more relevant to what we're going through now is, okay, but what about if it's not a normal market? What if it's something like 2008? Or now we could say like March 2020. How should you expect your portfolio to perform when the world's falling apart, even if for a short period of time? And all of a sudden now, instead of you having maybe minus 15% as an expected, you know, downturn in a down market, it's minus 40, it's minus 45. Could you stomach or survive that kind of drop? If you can't, then Beverly, that's when we've got to go back and say, okay, what we really need to do is reduce the amount of risk that you have. How do we do that? You know, and then that's where working with your existing advisor, us or whomever it is, that's where you use that riskalyze report to say, okay, I didn't realize how much risk I was taking, or even do I need to take more just to kind of put it all in perspective. So 33 different funds, definitely a lot of overlap, I'm sure, definitely too diversified potentially. So what I would do is kind of get that riskalyze report and we'll be happy to run it for you or anybody else out there just to let you know where you stand today and then what changes may need to be made going forward. Okay. Well, great question. Thank you, Beverly, so much for submitting that in. Uh, yeah. Reach out to Michael. Uh, as folks, if you're listening, you want to get that report run, call him at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092 or go to crystallaketax.com. Again, that's crystallaketax.com and send him an email, check him out on the, on the website, all those good things. We've got a couple more here. So let's see if we can squeeze a few in. Uh, really good questions that have come in over the last couple of weeks. So I'm glad we're getting to some of these. Amber, she says, Mike, I'm 55 years old and I have about 300000 saved for retirement, but I do feel like I'm behind where I should be compared to friends and people I know, things of that nature. Do you think that I might be in trouble? Yeah, Amber, it's a great question to be asking, especially because, you know, chances are you're give or take a couple of years, you know, within about 10 years of retirement. So you don't want any major mistakes at this point, but at the same time, you understand you still need growth on the money that you have. Plus, you have the ability to continue to save a little bit more. You know, chances are if there's kids, they're either out of the house or about to be, you know, from college and otherwise. So you may even have some more free cash flow. So I'm not sure about your situation. So, you know, I, I won't take that in, Amber. I will just assume it's you, you've got $300,000 saved up, you're 55, and you want to know if you're going to be okay. Well, the first thing that I would say is I wouldn't worry about what everybody else has. I've mentioned it, it's probably a year ago on, on this podcast or so, is that we've had individuals come in that have saved $300,000, dollars and they're going to be perfectly fine in retirement because they didn't enter retirement with a lot of debt, a lot of obligations. They don't have a huge cash flow need you know, outside as far as what to draw on their investment. So they're going to be fine. We also had some clients, some prospective clients that came in with several million dollars and things are going to be tight for them in retirement. And you're like, how could that be? Well, how that could be is they came into retirement with a $600,000 mortgage and two luxury car payments and some credit card debts and all these other things. So on their 401k statement, they're millionaires. On their personal net worth statement, maybe not so much. You know, so it's always a function. And that's why we put our plan together, the Retirement Success Blueprint, to make sure and say, okay, how much income do we need? What sources do we have? What obligations do we have? You know, in addition to the other four areas. 
But I, for you, Amber, let me kind of give you a snapshot of what this looks like for you. So let's just say you're going to be a balanced investor, not too risky, but not too conservative either. And we're going to use what they call the rule of 72. And all that basically is a fancy way of saying how long at a certain interest rate would it take you to double your money? So if we're conservative and we say, let's just assume in a balanced portfolio that over the next decade, you're going to average 7% on your money. What that means is that in, by the time you're 65, you're 55 years old now, by the time you're 65, that 300000 should be worth close to 600000 just assuming about an average 7% rate of return. Okay, well, of course, you're going to be saving more over that time frame, and we may or may not get the seven. You know, time will tell on those. But what that does is that gives you kind of a starting point of saying, okay, all things being equal, at 65, I should have around 600000 if I average about 7%. So now, is that enough for you or is that not? That's where you run the numbers on what your needs are going to be over the next 10 years for retirement, the type of income and lifestyle you're going to have in retirement. Are you still going to have a mortgage at 65 if that's when you were to retire? How much of your income is going to be replaced by Social Security or pensions? And then that's where the plan comes in because then you get to say, here's how much I need. Here's where the sources are. So if 7% is your bogey, that that's the rate of return that you need, okay, great. Well, then when you go to part two of the plan is how much risk should I take? Well, you can kind of reverse engineer how much, what that portfolio should look like to accomplish that. Because what you don't want to do, and we see it happen all the time, what happens, Amber, is a lot of people will say, I know I need more. So then they all of a sudden, within five to 10 years of retirement, they start taking undue risk, a lot more risk than they actually need to accomplish what they want because they think more is the answer. What people have found out, not only going through 2000, 2002 bear market, the tech wreck, right? Not only going through the great financial crisis from 08 and 09, but now even going through what we just went through, and nobody knows how this is going to end or how long it's going to go out for. But one of the things is here, you know, markets in general, whether it's S&P 500, NASDAQ, Dow Jones, on average, were down about 35% in the middle of March. So from their all-time highs in February through about the third week of March, we're down by almost 35%. So if you were somebody within five or 10 years of retirement and taking way too much risk just because you thought you needed to, but you didn't really need to, how long is it going to take you to recoup those losses? It might take you several years and you don't have years to waste. So Amber, that's where you want to put that plan together. You've done a great job saving $300,000. We don't care what your, what your friends, your neighbors, your family, what they've saved up. What we care is how is that relative to the lifestyle that you want to have in retirement? And are you on track? You know, so we'd be happy to run those numbers for you and put a plan together. Well, it's a great episode this week here on the show, Retirement Success Blueprint. We're answering some email questions that have come in over the last couple of weeks while we've been looking at the big elephant in the room with everything that's been going on in the world. And if you'd like to submit a question to the show and you'd like to talk to Michael, don't forget, just go to crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. And we've got time for one more. I think we're going to squeeze one in here. This is from Trevor, and he says, Mike, can you clarify whether I can start my Social Security benefit and still earn income or not. I hear different things and they get really confused about the options. Yeah, Trevor, this is a great question, especially with, you know, I think at the time of this taping, we're about 30 million unemployed, right, in the United States. Right. And unfortunately, there's a large part of those jobs that aren't coming back, you know, um, whether the retail, hospitality, restaurant, whatever it happens to be, in the near term at least, they're not coming back. So we've had individuals that we'd met with in the past that didn't become clients for whatever reason, uh, and even some existing clients of ours, especially those in their mid-50s and 60s, that some employers have used this as an opportunity to 
I don't know if you want to say right size or, you know, lay off individuals, furlough individuals. So now they're starting to look at saying, okay, I'm 60, 62, 65, you know, maybe it just makes sense to kind of hang, hang it up, retire. Have I saved enough? And if we've put a plan together for them, they know that answer already. But just as importantly as, well, you know, should I take social security? Should I take it early? What if I want to continue to work? What if I want to work part-time? So Trevor, to answer your question, what that means is here's some basic rules about social security. And this is going to apply. I'm going to talk generally to everybody, Trevor, but I think you'll be able to ascertain the answer that you want out of here. So for social security, for your own retirement benefit, because there's a bunch of other benefits out there, you are allowed to take it as early as 62. So let's say if you were born from 1960 or later, your full retirement age is 67. So you could take social security as early as 62, but you're going to leave about 25 or 30%. I call it a haircut when we're talking with clients. They're going to basically shave off 25 to 30% of the benefit that you normally would have received had you waited until 67. So let's say you're supposed to get $2,000. Well, instead of $2,000 a month, you're only going to get about $1,400 a month on average. So, okay, but that may make sense. You may have the ability to get other income. You mentioned, Trevor, that you might be interested in working. So if you take Social Security before your full retirement age. So basically that's either 66 or 67, depending on the year you were born. What happens there is the government has what they call an earnings test. Now it doesn't apply to if you're getting a pension. It doesn't apply if you are taking income off your investments. It doesn't apply if you have rental income. So we have a lot of clients that retire in their late 50s and even early 60s, start taking Social Security at 62, 63, have a six-figure income, and the earnings test doesn't apply because it's all investment income or pension income. The earnings test applies to W-2 income. You know, you're working for somebody, they give you a W-2 at tax time. You own a small business, you have profits. So what happens with that is currently, and I'll average it down a little bit, but if you earn, have earnings, you know, W-2 or profits from a business in excess of $18,000 in 2020, then what happens is for every $2 you earn above $18,000, you will give $1 of those Social Security benefits back. So essentially, if you're looking at working and taking your Social Security benefits before your full retirement age, then if you make more than $18,000 a year, you're going to start giving back some of those benefits. In fact, if you make over $30,000, $36,000 a year, the government's pretty much going to claim all of those benefits back. So you really, you don't even get to keep it because they say, according to the earnings test, you've made too much. So Trevor, I will give you a couple because, you know, we can't get too specific in here, but on the podcast, what you want to do is sit down with your advisor, you know, a fiduciary who has your best interests, has to act in your best interests, isn't just trying to sell you something, you know, more fee-based individuals, sit down with them and put your plan together. So Trevor, if you're in a position either because of loss of work or you just want to retire a little bit early does it make sense to take Social Security early? What that advisor is going to do, and we do it every week, is sit down and say, okay, we can get X amount of income off of our investments if that makes sense. You can get X amount from Social Security. Does it make sense? Or might it make sense, instead of taking a reduced Social Security benefit, should we actually turn around and say, let's take a little bit more out of our investments so that guaranteed for life Social Security benefit, almost like a pension, will be more later when we claim it. 
So then for the rest of your life, that Social Security benefit's greater. Now, for some people, it does make sense to take Social Security early. It makes sense if they want to continue to work as long as we understand their earnings limits. And for others, we just kind of dip into the retirement savings a little bit. So there's a variety of different things you can do. So sit down with a fiduciary and have them run through those scenarios for you, Trevor, because many people are in a position where they could retire if they had the right plan in place. But unfortunately, without that plan, they just don't know. So, you know, let us help you get a little bit of clarity and a little peace of mind. All right. Well, thank you so much for the question, Trevor. And I think it's been a really great podcast. I'm glad we were able to catch up on some of these email questions. I think that's probably going to do it for us for this week. Mike, we're going to step on out of here, but we will remind folks if they would like to reach out to you, they can call you at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092 or go to crystallaketax.com and check out the website there. And while you're there, click on the podcast page, subscribe to us on Google or Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you choose. If you happen to use those apps and you're searching around, you can just type in Retirement Success Blueprint. You can search for that and subscribe to it that way as well. And Mike, thanks for your time this week, my friend. I appreciate you as always. And uh, I'm glad we got a chance to do some of these. I hope they help folks out. All right. You stay safe and healthy and best to you, Mark. You as well, my friend. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. We'll do another Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. Sound Income Strategies, LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC are not associated entities.